0: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Pirkei Avlus podcast with Rabbi Shlomo Kohn, where we live with the ethics of the Torah. If you have any questions, comments, or would just like to reach out to say hello, please send me an email at rabbi Shlomo Kohn with a K at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. This week, we're continuing with Perek Aleph Mishnavov. Chapter one, Mishnah Six. And the Mishnah is going to be giving us some insights into mentor into into mentorship, into friendship, and our general outlook on life and how we view other people. The Mishnah begins. Yeshua ben Prachia Venita Arbaili Kiblu Mehem. Yeshua ben Prachia and of Arbel received the tradition from them, which was from Yossi ben Yoezer and Yossi ben Yochanan. Now, the, this Mishnah is going to focus on the statement of Yeshua ben Prahya. What was his main teaching that he told his generation, his students? Yeshua ben Prahya said, rav. Appoint for yourself a teacher. And acquire for yourself a friend. And judge everyone favorably. So three ideas we have in this Mishnah. We're going to go through each one and talk about the different ideas that come out. So number one is make for yourself a teacher, a mentor. Number two is acquire for yourself a friend. Have a good friend. And number three is to judge everyone favorably. And we're going to look into the actual wording of the Mishnah, why it differentiates between a teacher and a friend. It says appoint a teacher. When it comes to a friend, though, it says acquire for yourself a teacher. We're going to discuss that. And we'll discuss the connection of why we're talking about judging one favorably at this point. What's the connection, the third idea, to the first two thoughts of, of Yeshua ben, ben Prachia. Now, just give a little background about Yeshua ben Prachya. He lived about 200 years before the destruction of the temple, and it's brought down, he lived during the, the, the time period of Yanai, King Yanai, and he needed to, to escape persecution, and at a certain point, he had to run away to Egypt and teach Torah there until it was safe for him to come back to the land of Israel. He he was chased by the Sadducees for a certain period of his life, and in a certain point he was it was he he had the ability to return to Eretz Israel to the, to return to the land of Israel. Now the first idea which he shares with us is this thought of Rav, which literally is translated as a point for yourself, a teacher. And the if you look at the the rav Rav which is probably the most Commonly used commentary for Perkiavos and for Mishnayos in general, the Rav explains this to mean that the Mishnah is telling us to appoint, for ourself, to appoint for ourselves a teacher, even if he is inferior to you in knowledge, even if he knows less than you, because there's a certain importance to having a mentor. A you know, in, in this context, it's a Torah teacher, a, a rabbi, and the way it's said a lot of times is a Rebbe. A Rebbe is someone who is your teacher. He's your mentor. Obviously, the first reason that we have um, a mentor, the most important reason you could think of is that there's a certain sense of clarity that's achieved when you learn from someone else. You, you get clarity. You remember what you learned better. Um, you, you have a certain sense of direction in what you're doing. And I, I believe as well that when a person has a teacher, a mentor, and especially when it comes to his Torah studies, he realizes, you know, he or she realizes, you realize that you're part of something much larger. It's not just you; you're part of a chain of transmission, and that in itself is something very, very, very special. So you could just imagine for a moment that, aside from the, all the benefits of the actual Torah study and and learning. And having that clarity and remembering, because when you work out something with someone else, you gets you receives you receive knowledge from another person, you gain a certain sense of clarity. Because when you're just studying something yourself, it's very easy to flub your way through things and and pretend you know it. And additionally, it's also easy for for us to make a mistake and understand something incorrectly. But when we learn from someone who has, you know, who who is a rebbe. Someone, you know, and the reason, hopefully he's somebody who, who knows more than us, who is a Talmud Chacham, is a, is a Torah scholar. And therefore, number one is they correct, they could correct us. And even if this teacher is someone who is not higher than you in learning, not on a more advanced level of learning, the fact that you study with someone else already protects you from making a mistake to a certain degree. And it's actually interesting, in, in the yeshiva system, when, when you go to yeshiva, at a certain point, there's a very big emphasis on this. And the way you learn when you're in yeshiva, the way you study Talmud, is that you study with a chavrusah shaf. That's what it's referred to in Yiddish. You have a chavrusah you have a study partner. And for different parts of the day, you could have different study partners. But most of your time in yeshiva is spent learning with another person. That, Like, for example, when you're studying the Talmud, you learn it with your chavrusa, your study partner. So that means you read, he listens, you listen, he reads, he says something, you argue, you say something, he argues, you agree once in a while. So number one is a tremendous benefit of the give and take of ideas between two individuals. It helps you get a sense of uh, clarity. You know, for sure, you know there is some trial and error with the with chavrusa, sometimes it's in yeshiva, you can be matched up with somebody who you don't pair well with, you know, either some he wants to go faster, you want to go slower, he wants to ask questions every line, you don't want to ask questions every line, so obviously you have to have some sort of moderation, no one's going to be exactly like you, and that's not necessarily so healthy to have someone exactly like you to study with, but number one is, it helps you get clarity, and besides for that as well, there's a certain level of you know, character development that gets built when you have a a piece of Talmud, which is, you know, you're problem-solving. Obviously, meaning you're learning Torah, but what you're doing when you study a page of Talmud with your Chavruza is you're trying to get clarity in this page of Talmud. So when you have to work through a page of Talmud with someone else, it gives you, you know, it, it tends to lend the person to work on listening to someone else to force a person to be able to give over an idea clearly to another. And that's actually something which is what, when the Mishnah tells us asela say, the Mishnah is alluding to this fact that when it comes to studying Torah, you have to have a Rav, a Rebbe. And the really, there's many ideas which I want to bring out from this asela say, a point for yourself, a Rav, a, a teacher, because there's a, there's a, a, a thought here that, you know, in life, we we do we do our thing. We we have decisions we make every day, and some decisions are bigger. Some decisions are smaller. But the fact is, is that we are flesh and blood. We're not angels. We have we get pulled in different directions. Our desires pull us. We have a certain tendencies to to lean toward certain things. We're certain we're a certain way. We have our strengths and weaknesses and many times we could think we're doing something and we're blinded to the true reality of something we're blinded to the true reality we're biased we don't see the full picture of our actions of our consequences of what we're doing of you know something that we're going to do we could think it's the best thing that could ever have been done but really it's a tremendous mistake So what prevents us from making that bad decision? What prevents us from, you know, falling over the cliff, the the proverbial cliff? And that is the idea of the mission, that when somebody has a a Rebbe, right? A When you have a Rav, a rabbi, right? Someone points to yourself a rabbi. You have a mentor, somebody for you to talk through decisions in your life. And you know what? It doesn't have to be just the big decisions. People, people should feel comfortable to speak to their rabbi. And, you know, it doesn't just have to be a rabbi, someone who could be a mentor to them about anything that you can open up and share different challenges you have and different decisions you want to make. And when an outsider who's, you know, God willing, a Torah scholar and someone who's a wise person hears the 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 two sides of a decision or they, they hear what you're planning, what you want to do, your question you have. Or the different thoughts that are going through your mind that for the situation that you face, they're able to guide you and help you realize the different biases that that you have. And it's very beneficial. You know, no one's saying you're going to a rabbi to make that he's going to make a decision for you. And I know sometimes in in the in the secular world, there is this uh, feeling sometimes that 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 Orthodox people, that Jews, Orthodox Jews are, are like a part of a cult. They don't make decisions for themselves and they just listen to whatever the rabbi says and that's it they jump off the cliff well you know it, it's not like that because obviously there's the torah and there's the laws of the torah and people ask advice from others but no one forces anybody else to make decisions people and and the, at least my understanding of a of a rabbi of a of a of a, a relationship someone has making someone a rabbi a mentor is that you speak something with somebody to, you know, you, you speak over a topic with your mentor, with your Rebbe, so that the Rebbe can can sort of enlighten you to the different uh pros and cons of your decisions so that you can make the best choice. Because automatically we're going to be blinded to all the as of different aspects of our decision. We're not able to see everything because we're biased. It's very hard. It's very hard for people to be objective, totally objective. It's very challenging, right? As we see. You know, no one, we're human beings, so we can't be totally objective. So when you have someone else who has your best interests in mind, who's able, who you're able to talk to and to to say your thoughts and say what you're thinking and who can communicate back with you, you're, you're putting yourself up and you're setting yourself up for success. And this is just important. If we could just imagine for a moment, you know, if we would have to deal with two people, person number one is somebody Who doesn't listen to anybody? He doesn't listen to anybody. Person number two, he also has a strong opinion, but you know he has this mentor, which he's able to listen to. He's able to, you know, he's able to get through to him. Which person would you want to hire? Which person would you wanna be in a relationship with? Which person would you want to deal with? The answer to that question is that of course we'd all want to deal with person number two. The person who has someone else who can speak to him, someone else who, whose opinion he trusts as well. No one wants to deal with somebody who doesn't listen to anybody, who doesn't value anyone else's opinion. So, so if we realize this when it comes to someone else, when when we have to deal with someone else, shouldn't we take that advice for ourselves and we and not be that individual who doesn't want to listen to anyone else? Have someone we speak to, have have people we could open up to that could sort of try to give us, uh, to make sure we're in bounds, that we're not going off the guardrails. No one's saying that, that the rabbi has to make decisions for you. That's not, no one's saying that. Just have someone you can speak to, to, to see if I'm still on the right path, I'm going the right way. I didn't fly off the mountain. And it doesn't necessarily have to be a rabbi, to be someone who is a mentor to you, someone who is a, a good influence, Um, to put you in the right direction. So that's just a a thought about this Mishnah, which I thought was very, it's, it's very pointed and beneficial for us in this generation, especially because, you know, many times we feel like we know everything. We just, if we don't know something, we Google it. We can't figure it out. We'll go online, watch a video or two and know it, become experts. It's important to have someone that we could speak to to make sure that we're going in the proper path. And, and really, you know, talking about who it is, someone who knows the Torah's position on different issues. And God willing, if we do that, we'll put ourselves in the right path and be facing the right direction. And you know what? Personally, just being a little personal for a moment, like I, I myself, I'm, I've been blessed to have a lot of very special rabbeim, right? A lot of special mentors in my life. And I personally feel to myself like different challenges that I went through, I, my Rebbe and my have helped me tremendously. And even till this day, different questions I have, I'll speak to my my uh, my rabbis from Yeshiva to, to to hear what they have to say, to hear their opinion on things. And personally, I feel that, you know, think about one Rebbe specifically. I don't know if I would be married if not for him because you know obviously he never told me what to do he didn't say do this or do that contrary what to what the secular world says about orthodox Jews but he he sort of guided me in the right direction he sort of he 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 opened my eyes to to the decisions the pros and cons of the decisions that i would be making and helped me get to the correct point where i needed to be he knew that i am a person that i need to make my own decisions and he 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 gave me the correct guidance to help me get to that point. You know, this is just really another point. It's really finding somebody that you're comfortable with that meshes with you, that you're able to click with. You know, I'm not saying every rabbi is meant to be a mentor to every person. There's different personalities, different people, people connect with different individuals. So it's important to find somebody that you personally could connect with to be able to share your, your inner thoughts, share your feelings to, to feel comfortable and um, God willing, when you're do when you're able to do that, you 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 reap the the benefits of being able to see the full picture and make the best possible decisions in our lives. Now, the second thought of the Mishnah is that we should acquire for ourselves a friend. So, just to contrast this for a moment, the first teaching of the Mishnah said, Ase rav, appoint for yourself a teacher. The second idea in this Mishnah is, acquire yourself a friend. And the Rav explains this to me, that when the Mishnah says, acquire a friend for yourself, the, the meaning of the word is literal. That when it comes to friendship, a person should be willing to even spend money to get friends, good friends. That if it if it requires him to spend money to get someone to be his friend, he should do it. It's a worthwhile investment. And just to contrast this for a moment with the first part of the mission is that when it comes to a teacher, a mentor, you can't buy your mentor. That's not, you know, that's for politicians. You could buy a politician. Can't buy your mentor, and you don't want that, frankly, because you don't want someone who's just going to, you know, be on your payroll and just be a yes man. You want to make for yourself, to make yourself a a sort of like a a student of a teacher that you're the receiver and you're you're taking from the from the teacher, and you're you're sort of you're open to him. To uh, I guess you realize that hopefully the, the teacher is a talmud chacham, a Torah scholar. He's very wise, and you have a lot to gain from him. But When it comes to friends, we see there's a wording of acquire, that be willing to acquire a friend. And the, the reason it's given is because, you know, as humans, we're social creatures, and we, we desire to be with other people. And I'm sure we could think of people ourselves who we know or or knew that probably started off as good people and they got involved with the wrong set of friends. And I'm sure the ending of that story could end up that the person's life got ruined, they ended up in jail, they ended off in a totally different place than you. You know, I'm sure there's people that started off in the same place as you but the trajectory of their lives changed tremendously because of the people they hung around with. And that's why the mission is stressing the importance of friendship. Because friends can have a tremendous impact upon us. And Rabbeinu Yonah explains three benefits that friends can have, good friends can have upon us. Number one is Torah study. So as I mentioned before, we said there's a benefit to studying with somebody. When you have a a good friend and you're able to study with him as well, there is a spiritual element to that as well. You're able to get clarity. You're able to, all the benefits of learning with someone else, you're able to acquire as well. Mitzvos, number two, if a person's around good people, if a person's in in a surrounding where people are doing mitzvos, that's the, the cool thing to do. All the cool people are doing mitzvos. So what do you think you're going to do? Do you think you're going to go to the bar if everyone's going to show? If our friends are doing good things, we're going to also do good things. It's called positive peer pressure, right? The way I always think of peer pressure is that when I was a kid, they would have talking about peer pressure drugs, that if all your friends are doing drugs, you don't have to do drugs. That was called peer pressure because everyone's doing it. You want to do it. But peer pressure can also work in a positive way as well. That if we set ourselves up for success, we are around good people who do good things. It's going to affect us. We're also going to want to do good things. We're also going to want to be part of it. So when we have a good friend, even if it means spending money on that friendship to acquire that 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 good chaver, which means French friend in Hebrew, it's worth it. It's the 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 investment. Is a hundred percent returns because it's just going to lead to good things to be around good people, it, it leads around it leads us to do good things, and that is why the Mishnah is stressing that even if it means you can't, the only way you could find friendship with good people is by buying them off, sending them presents, taking them out to a restaurant, then do it, do it. It's it's important and it pays off in the long run. Because do we want to be associated? Number one is, do we want to be associated with ourselves? That's not healthy. We don't want to be by ourselves because that's also not good. And when we want to be with people, we should we need to make sure we're going to be with people, be with good people. It's so important. And, you know, this really brings a thought out because, you know, we think of 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 life as very black and white, but it's really not so black and white. And, you know, there's this... Struggle between good and bad, and we have struggles. Should we do the good things? Should we not good do the good things? Should we do bad? Should we do good? The funny thing is that most of our struggles don't come from the questions of good or bad, but rather come from the gray zone. And if we set ourselves up correctly, we prevent ourselves from getting into any of the situations to begin with. And I'll give some examples. And this is actually one of the great examples how setting ourselves up for success spiritually is not necessarily about the right and the wrong obviously it's about right and wrong but that's not the defining factor necessarily but how we set ourselves up for success such as friends our neighborhood if we have how much torah knowledge we have how much preparation we put into things because for example if we have good friends are we gonna be, are we going to be placed in a situation where we have to choose to do something bad with our friends? No, because we're around good people. If we live in a good neighborhood where people do good things, are we going to be put into a precarious situation where we have to choose about doing something bad or not? No. If we have the knowledge about what we can do, what we could do, are we going to to fall, stumble because we don't know what to do and therefore we just act on our own logic? No. So my point is, is that this just brings out this idea that our success or a good portion of our success in our spiritual lives uh, of us succeed in overcoming our challenges is us being prepared to handle those challenges and setting ourselves up for success. You know, for someone, nobody actively does bad. You know, I shouldn't say, I shouldn't say nobody, but most people don't just do bad. People slip up. They make a mistake. So my point is if we can fortify ourselves in positive situations so then we take away half the battle of, of of good and bad, because it doesn't come down to this, you know, should I do this sin or not do this sin? The people don't, are not usually in that situation, people will, will just, will hold back. It's more of a people slipping up because they're around other people, they're in a situation they don't know. And that's the reason why they end up slipping up. They, they find themselves in a circumstance, which is, which sort of tends to, to slip tend to fall, and therefore, that's how people find themselves in a bad situation. And the third benefit that the Rabinu Yonah brings down that friends are for us is the is giving free and open advice. To be a confidant. You know, sometimes a friend is able to to connect with somebody in a way that a mentor cannot, right? Somebody who had a shared experience with you, a shared... Um, they spent a certain amount of time together. You're able to relate to that person a certain way that you can be open with, open with them about your challenges, open to them and for with, for their advice, open to their criticism. I'm sure, you know, I, I for sure have definitely have friends who we, we like uh, we bother each other all the time. We criticize it. I mean, <laughs> Jokingly, I mean, if he, if my, one of my friends, if if he, if he, if he knocks me, it's, he's not knocking me, it's, we're, we're, we're close friends. We're able to be very open with each other to share our challenges. And even if need be, we can, you know, put a little criticism in there, positive criticism to set each other straight. And that's another benefit of, of, of a true friend. I do want to stress also one thought of this Mishnah, which I think is very important and something which I've struggled with sometimes myself. The Mishnah said, acquire for yourself. To, to go out and get for yourself, right? When you go to the store, you want to acquire something. You want to buy something. That, that means you have to go in your car, go to the store, get whatever you want to get, and go back home. It doesn't just come to you. You have to actively pursue it And then you have it, right? So you want to go buy something in the grocery store, you have to go do an action or multiple actions to go get it. And then you bring it home and then you have it. So, one thing I think I thought I, I, you know, I want to bring out over here, which I think the Mishnah is teaching us as well, that when it comes to making friends, there's a key word there making friends. That means you have to make an effort to acquire that friendship. You can't expect it just to fall into place by itself. You know, I hear many times people say, no, I have no friends, I'm not happy. So my question to you is, did you work to try to make a friendship? Did you try to acquire it? Did you put effort in to build that connection between you and another? Or are you just expecting it just to fall into place by itself? It doesn't happen like that. You know, you got to pick up the phone to see how your buddy's doing. You got to send someone a text. Hello, how are you? And you know, an easy way to do this, to build a relationship with another person, to give some practical advice here, I, I do this myself, is to call up and wish someone a good Shabbos. It's the best excuse ever to say hello to someone. You know, and I think for the guys, the picking up the phone and saying hello is challenging. You know, it's like I don't know why it's it's not macho if you call up someone and say hello, but a good excuse to keep that connection. And you know what? Some people don't need so much of a connection. I don't know. Maybe some people don't need as much of relationships with others, or maybe they don't want it. I don't know. But it's incumbent upon us to build a relationship, and, and an easy way to do that is if. Call someone, wish them good Shabbos. Call someone, say hello. And the Mishnah is telling us that when it comes to friendship, you can't just expect it to fall into place by itself. You need to actively pursue it and acquire it. And God willing, when you do that, you will reap the results of that. I'm not saying every person you try this with, it's going to work, right? Some people are not interested in friendship, but someone who you think's interested in your friendship. Someone you think you would click with. Try to pursue it. Go take them out for lunch. Go call them up, say Allah, wish them happy birthday. You never know. You might just make yourself a good friend. And I think that's something very important we should remember from this Mishnah. The third thought in the Mishnah is that we need to judge everyone favorably. And just to give a little background about this halacha, actually, it's it's actually brought down in Jewish law that we need to judge favorably. It's talking about, in this situation, a specific case. Because normally, if we see someone who is a tzaddik, who's a righteous person, and we see them do something bad, it is incumbent upon us to judge them righteously, to assume that they they got swept up in, in the moment and... They, it was just a one-time slip, and on the flip side as well, if the the person, if if we see a wicked person do something good, you're not obligated to assume he did something good because they're they have they're wicked. The mission is talking about a specific case of someone who's an average person, and you see them do something questionable. You could judge them for good, and you could also judge them for bad, and even if it's leaning to more that the act they did seems more bad than good. The Mishnah is giving us an important rule that we need to judge them favorably. That this case of an average person who, who does something which seems could seem off, we need to judge them in the right way and say that they probably have a reason what they're doing. So we have a lot here. If it's a righteous person, upstanding individual, and you see them doing something bad, it seem, seems seem something clearly bad, you have you an obligation to assume they got swept up in the moment, and or we don't see the whole picture, and they're really good. And if you'd see someone, and if a bad person did something good, right, you don't have to judge them favorably that they're doing something good. You could assume that they, they, they have some ulterior motive. So the Mishnah is talking about this benini. And it gives us a really important insight into just judging others favorably. The person, the Mishnah, it's it's brought down. We're going to see later in Avos, in one of the later chapters, we're going to deal with a concept that you should never judge a friend until you're in his in his shoes. Either way, the, the point is, is that we only see part of the situation. We don't see the whole picture many times. And, you know, we shouldn't rush to conclusions when we see something happen that might be questionable. And I feel like nowadays it's it's very prevalent. You know, people, everyone has cameras on their phones and everyone takes a picture and picture goes viral and that's it. There's a certain narrative that's created. And a person's life could get ruined from that. And But really... That wasn't the whole story. It was just a shot, about one picture, a few seconds of video. How important is it especially nowadays for us to to apply this dictum of the of the Mishnah to judge everyone favorably? How would we want to be judged in in a situation? How would how would we want others to look at us if we were in some type of questionable situation? And this uh there's many stories which have been brought down, you know, I Thinking one offhand, there was this famous story of this person who was visibly religious and he was seen in a a McDonald's and people were wondering what was going on. It came out that the story was he had some type of diabetic emergency and he had to eat food at that moment or else he could die. Um, And There's so many stories like this um, with people doing things which seemed totally off and then the rest of the story came out it was they're proven to be uh doing nothing wrong to begin with. And really this I'm going to end with this thought. We know there's three cardinal sins in Judaism which are idolatry, adultery and murder. That means if someone comes to one of us and tells us do a sin or you will be killed. Normally we are allowed to do the sin under regular situations, right? There are certain exceptions, like for example, if it's in public, or if it's in a time of the, that the Jews are being oppressed, but normally we do the sin and save our lives. Now, except for three averos, where a person is required to give up their lives, they are idol worship, adultery, and murder. So if someone comes to one of us and says, either commit one of these three sins, idol worship, adultery, and murder, or you will be killed, the is, the law is that we have to be killed and not do it. Now let's make this a little bit more dramatic. Let's say the this this person comes to the leading rabbi of the generation, the biggest tzaddik, the, the, the most righteous person of our generation, and says to this righteous individual, okay, this Mr. Righteous, Rabbi Righteous, Either you kill this horrible, drunk uh, murderer, rapist, add all the words there. Kill this guy who happens to be a murderer, rapist, a uh, horrible person, committed many, many crimes, or we're going to kill you. So what's the rule? What should we say? Should we say there's an exception to the rule? Does this great Torah sage, can he just kill this person? He's he's a murderer, he's an adulterer, he's a, he's a, he's a, he's a rapist, he's a horrible person. Can he kill him? So the answer to that is a resounding no. That can Imagine the greatest person, let's say the person is the biggest tzaddik of the generation, the most righteous individual, he's not allowed to take the life of another. Even if this other person seems to be such a lowly person, such a wicked person, because as the Gemara says, um, who says his blood is more redder than yours? And that's expression people say, right? That came from the Talmud. Now, who says his blood, this wicked person's blood, who seems to be wicked, is more red than your yours, the righteous person? That means to say is that we don't know in Shamayim, in heaven, the true calculations of things, people's people's worth. Right? It could be that this wicked person who did one mitzvah in his life, it was so hard for him to do it, but the 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 mitzvah he did was so great, it's worth more than all the different mitzvot. And hours of learning that this great sage did so therefore he's not allowed to do it and that's just a mind-boggling thought it really ties into this idea have done that we must judge everyone favorably and obviously there's limits to it like i said before but my point is that when it comes to regular people most people are for sure regular people you know we don't have how many wicked people do we know we have to give people the benefit of the doubt and surely we must give our family members our friends our acquaintances, the benefit of the doubt, even if it may be hard. And it's something we should try to work on because just like we would want to have the benefit of the doubt, right? This is something I think people understand so clearly when we put ourselves into the situation, we would want that leeway. We would want that understanding. So surely we should give that understanding. We shall give that leeway to others and judge them favorably as well. That's going to do it for today's Mishnah. I hope you all enjoyed. And again, if you have any questions or comments, feel free to email me at Rabbi Shlomo Kohn with a K at gmail.com. Everyone, have a great day.